In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, the Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors, or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, Yoke! Okay. Thunder Joker. Time's up, Martin! Martin Mahas! And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. The Rainbow. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, one of the many great shows on The Athletic Podcast Network. My name is Nick Cosmider, and I'm joined by Kendra Andrews, and together we make up the athletics coverage team of the Denver Nuggets. On today's show, we're going to talk about Jamal Murray's title optimism, his hiatus work with Nikola Jokic, who has just become uh, prime Dwight Howard, apparently, and why Jamal Murray is lending his voice and platform to the fight for racial equality in America. We'll also give our predictions as to where the Nuggets will land when the playoff begins. Before we get into all that, though, we just wanted to give a special thanks to all the subscribers out there who have stuck with us, continuing to listen to this podcast and read our work at The Athletic. We appreciate all of you who have continued to read, listen, and support our work at The Athletic. We don't take any of it for granted. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, though, head to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline to get a great low-cost deal on a subscription. Sign up now. You never know when these deals will end. All right, Kendra, let's let's get right into this. Um Last week, we got the opportunity for the first time since the hiatus to talk to Jamal Murray and a uh, really insightful conversation that members of the local media had with Jamal uh, about a number of topics. But I want to start here because it has been something that we have heard several members of the organization say, and that was the quote that Jamal Murray had when he said, we can go win a title. And let's let's listen to that right here. We, we know we can go win the title and you know, Endeavor this whole time I've been working out. Uh, even before the gym was uh, allowed to reopen, um, I've stayed active, I've stayed busy, um, and you know I just can't wait to hoop. Yeah, just can't wait to hoop. That's that's sort of I think the prevailing sentiment we've heard from a lot of players. But you know Jamal Murray coming out and saying that. Um, look, we've we've heard this from a number of players on various um, interviews that they that they've done throughout the last few weeks. Uh, Tim Connolly, the president of basketball operations, saying. We feel like we can go to Orlando and win this championship. Michael Malone um, expressing that same idea. Paul Millsap uh, ha- has said sort of the same thing. What do you make of this um, pretty high level of confidence that we're that we're seeing from the Nuggets right now? I mean, I think it's it's good for them to have this kind of confidence. Uh, when Jamal was talking about that, he also said, you know, why not us? And I think you know that's that's a good mentality to have in this. You don't want to walk into something like Orlando and say, yeah, we're have the preconceived notion of, yeah, we're not going to win this. Cause what type of approach does really anything of, yeah, we're here, but we're not going to win it. So, eh. um, I think, you know, obviously this was a big conversation heading into this season of the nuggets are serious title contenders. And then throughout the season that kind of wavered, 
no, they're not, you know, there was just a lot of, eh, is that true? I don't think it's true anymore. And like you said, Nick, over the past couple of weeks, we've heard a lot of personnel in the Nuggets organization saying, no, we still believe that this is true. And we still believe that we have the opportunity to do this. Um, I don't think that Orlando is going to be in normal playoffs by any means. I, I know that the league is working towards as much as possible, making it as, as normal, but I'm uh, sorry for the dogs barking in the background too. Um, <laughs> they got something to say They have a all. lot to say about the Nuggets being possible title contenders as well. Um, but I mean, I think, I think as far as anything, it's just a good mindset for them to have. Is it going to be true? I, who knows? But I think it would be bad if they walked into it saying, no, we're not going to win this. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you, you, they're, they're certainly not going to say that. And I think part of the thing that during the course of a season when, you know, it was March, uh, kind of those dog days of the season, I, I think the focus is just kind of getting through it. But what three months off allows you to do is kind of refocus, reset your expectations. I don't think the Nuggets ever gave up any kind of thought that they were that they were title contenders. I, I think that that was probably going to be something that um, – you know, we heard from them if the playoffs had started under nor- normal circumstances. But I think some of the reasons, um, and this sort of gets into our next s- segment in talking to Jamal Murray about why he thinks, and speaking of, you know, people chiming in, my, my son Camden <laughs> doing the same thing, um, but why he, th- why they believe that they are this team. And it really does come down to Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. We saw going into the playoffs last year, that what they did as a tandem was going to really dictate how things went for the team overall, right? Uh, kind of common sense. It's their two best players, but they also work so sim, you know, kind of together. So they're, they're, they have a symbiotic relationship in terms of how they produce for the team and for one another. And one thing that struck me when Jamal Murray was talking was the fact that he and Nikola Jokic have been in the gym together quite a bit. Now, listen, we know that the, the teams have set up certain parameters that allow players back into the official team gyms, right? But we would buy, be naive to think that players haven't found, you know, other safe alternatives to, to work out. I, I think I think that's, you know, again, pretty obvious that as, as soon as there was like no more stay at home order, that the players were kind of figuring out ways to get together. But I thought really encouraging the fact that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have been, um, you know, working out together a lot because... Look, these are these are two guys who are, you know, great teammates by all accounts. Everything that we've seen during their time together since 2016 have gotten along well. They, they've kind of carried the load for this team together, um, but di- don't necessarily look, think of them all the time as as workout buddies, guys that spend a ton of time together off the court. And so for me, the fact that they have been sort of the ones pushing it and saying, hey, we need to get into the best shape that we can and, and, and make sure that we are on the same page, because Murray's big thing was, listen, the reason that we feel like we can beat anybody in a seven game series is because when myself and Nicola are going at our best together, there's nobody that can stop us. And there's a lot of evidence that's, that would suggest that that's true, that when those two are both on, um, the Nuggets can be a real, real handful. And so that's, I think, where the optimism com- comes from. And part of that, Kendra, we're seeing it kind of exploding all over the inter- t- Internet today. It's just the kind <laughs> yeah. of shape that Nikola Jokic is in. Man, I need to get on his quarantine routine. Like whatever he's been doing, it's working for him. Like he, I saw a side-by-side picture of him um, and uh, Kristaps Porzingis and they look almost identical. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of that is just sort of wondering, you know, how much more can Nikola Jokic 
really do. Uh, and, and so as I've kind of looked at this and saw sort of the weight that he has, um, you know, the, the weight that he has lost, you say, well, how, how much is this going to transform what he did in the playoffs? But you look, I look at, the, I look at what he did last year and you say, how, how can he really elevate from that? Right. He averaged, he played 40 minutes per game over 14 games in the playoffs. This was his line, 25.1 points, 13 rebounds, 8.4 assists per game on 50.6% shooting from the floor, 40% shooting from three and 85% shooting from the line. It doesn't really get any better than that. The only thing that I can think of is say, hey, he's planning to have that kind of performance over a longer period of time. But what do you just think that that they can really accomplish if, if he is that kind of player that is not only playing putting up those kind of numbers in the playoffs, but perhaps even elevating it in some way. I mean, when we last week we, we talked about kind of the, this format that we're heading into in Orlando, where depending on how the Nuggets play, they can go anywhere. They'll be seated anywhere from three to six. And so when you're talking about Nikola Jokic having an extended, uh, you know, seeing him play like he played in the playoffs last season this season and even more so i mean if he comes out in these eight games before the playoffs start and he is that playoff nicola that we saw last season i mean then there's no way that the nuggets are going to fall to the sixth seed as they are going to be you know pretty dominant in in those opening eight games and then right into the playoffs so i think that it, it it's going to be really really big for this team where they end up heading into the playoffs and just how they perform. And then when you think about, you know, again, last week we talked about how quick the turnaround is going to be from the end of this season to the beginning of next season. There's a possibility that because there's such a quick turnaround that he'll, you know, be able to pick that right back up a couple months later, because really the off season is going to be about as long as this hiatus has been, maybe even a bit shorter than that. So if he's able to, you know, enter into this, you know, Orlando play after this break and be immediate playoff Nicola, then who's to say or what's to say that he wouldn't be able to do that again once the season ends in October and then starts up again in December? Well, what what kind of makes this not really surprising for me that Nicole Jokic is clearly taking seriously his role as the team's leader and the responsibility of being the guy for the Nuggets as they go on this adventure to try to win a championship is that he has always, ever since he got to the Nuggets in 20, 2015, has um, answered answered the bell. He, he, when, when the Nuggets have most relied upon him and really needed him to deliver, he has done that. I mean, one one perfect example uh, this year was it was the Utah game in February when the Nuggets were completely decimated by injury, had seven guys, and, and he goes out there and gets gets you 30, 21, and 10. Um, he has just always been a guy that is is completely ready to play. So for me, you, you're right. These two, these two breaks, the break between last year's playoffs and the start of this season, and then the coronavirus hiatus to now have been about the same thing. The reason that I think he's in so much better shape now as he was when he returned from last offseason is because now is the time. It is a sprint once these guys get started in Orlando. And to me, he he recognizes that. The one thing that I'll just say that is curious about this is Nikola Jokic has said for, for a while when he's been asked kind of about the weight that he likes to play at. Part of the reason that he sometimes plays a little bit heavier is he's felt like he sort of needed that in order to to be able to move guys around, which we know he can be a dominant post player, 
um, you know, it, it gives you flashes, not to the degree of Shaquille O'Neal, but sort of those same things where he's just moving guys. But on the flip side of that, it, even if he loses a little bit of that, um, the, the fact that so much of his game is built on, you know, deception and a sleight of hand and that now to be able to probably speed those processes up, it, it only makes you imagine kind of how many more ways he'll be able to, to attack you. Um, I, I'm going to kind of switch around here with kind of staying on this subject and talking about Jokic um, and the way that he's playing. Um, let, let's predict sort of where the, the Nuggets will be real quick when, when this regular season portion of the season that we know is going to happen ends. Um, again, a game and a half back from the number two seed against the Clippers. Uh, they have a two and a half game lead uh, over over the Rockets in the sixth seed. So that's kind of the bunch that they're in. Um I, I see the Nuggets going six and two. Now, I know we don't know what their schedule is, right? And so that will be a big part of it. They're going to have uh, a, a really difficult schedule. But this is a team that has historically, over the last few years, started off really hot when they come out of the gates from whatever break it's been. Um, so to me, if they go six and two, they're going to give themselves a chance um, to catch the Clippers. Now, I, I ultimately don't think they'll get there. A game and a half with only eight games to go especially when you're chasing a really talented team is kind of a lot. I, I think they're going to end up uh, in the third, in the third seed. Um, you know, so being the quote unquote home team in the first round. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to to remain in that third seed. And like you said, we don't know what their schedule is going to look like. There's been talk of, Oh, they're going to keep the, your, you know, the next eight games that was on your schedule, but that becomes a little bit complicated when you remove teams who won't be in, in Orlando. Um, if that was the case, if they do just say, hey, we're going to play the next eight games that were on your original schedule, I mean, they have some pretty challenging It's going to be hard regardless because they're right. they're, they're probably not going to get, you know, you're not going to get, I would imagine that they're not going to have you play a team where you already finished your season series. So like, they're not going to play the Suns anymore. Um, you know, they're not going to play some of these back end of the, of the Eastern Conference type teams um, to where they get a chance to, to pad their record. Um, so yeah, that, that part of it, that part of it is going to be interesting because they're going to have such a, such a tough task. But again, when you're talking about a situation where you're not really getting home court advantage anyway, you're going to have to face the Lakers and Clippers. Why not have, um, you know, a harder road in the regular season to, to get yourself ready in in my Mm -hmm. mind. Well, let's close on this, Kendra. Um, you know, part of that conversation with Jamal Murray, uh, last week was him talking about some of the experiences of facing facing pre- pre- prejudicial treatment from the police and then turning it around afterward. Um, he asked a kind of a diverse cast of media members that we had on this call about their own experiences with racism, racism and re- really turned it into to a discussion. Um, but let, let's take a listen to what Jamal Murray had to say on the subject. I just want to say my condolences to the family. Uh, I know there's plenty of other families uh, the sort of the same thing, and I myself have seen the same uh, racism stuff happen to me. Uh, and my dad, it happens repeatedly. It happens over and over, and it's happened throughout the years. You know, so I think what we're doing right now is great. I think we need to get our voices heard. And I just think about all the stories that I have uh, growing up with my dad. What what bothers us, the black community, is that it's so it's so blatant because it's it's very obvious. You know, so. Um, I think this is, this is great. And you know, I was thinking about going to protest, uh, you know, sometime soon. Yeah, obviously the Nuggets have, have, I think, tried to take a, a lead role in, in some of the stuff going on in terms of getting their voices out there. We've heard from Jamal Murray, Tim Conley, Michael Malone, uh, about creating sort of a town hall situation with Denver mayor, Michael Hancock, 
that would involve some community leaders, uh, police leaders, and members of, of the Nuggets organization uh, to kind of talk through some of these things. But I, you know, I found it impressive. Look, Jamal Murray is is a young kid, 22 years old, and um, again, to, to sort of come out with that kind of, uh, you know, just just passion about what he was talking about, and, and real, I think, conviction in relaying some of the experiences that he has had. Uh, but I, I thought what was just so unique in my time covering athletes that I, I just really haven't seen a lot of is when he after after that we had finished asking him the rest of these questions as I mentioned, and, and he turns it around and asks other people about their experiences. He listens, he, he turns reporter, he starts asking questions. Um, I, I just thought for, for a young, a young guy like that to really sort of take that mantle um, was impressive, but I, I'm really curious, Kendra, as to sort of what your takeaway was. Yeah. I mean, I thought that, you know, he mentioned his age, 22, 23. I think it just showed a really great level of maturity. And that was something really good to see in a guy like Jamal, who is, you know, is the se- he is the second leader of this team. So to see this young kid have that maturity to talk about such an important topic was really good. And and I think it was really great that he he flipped the script and asked the media because, you know, a, a common theme through everything that's been happening the past couple of weeks in our country is is the importance of having a dialogue and listening and and not just hearing from one person and one person's experience and one person's point of view on all these issues, but really you know, hearing from different people. And, and that's what we, we did. We heard from people who, who have Latino, Latina backgrounds, who are black people. And, and also, you know, we had some reporters t- who were white talk about, you know, having these uncomfortable conversations and, and needing to check their privilege and, and their perspective of it, which I think that him leading that type of conversation is really what there needs to be more of. And, and so I was really pleased and impressed by, by, Jamal in that moment. Yeah. I mean, look, being a leader, you know, that's one of the things with this franchise is that they've had young players as they, as they sort of come up, but, but it's, he's sort of, I think, recognizing that, that he is at, he is at a place, um, you know, you could talk about his contract or whatever, whatever the case might be, um, being a max contract player. But I think more than that is he just understands that, um, you know, he can have some gravity with, with the way that he approaches cer- certain situations and, and being the kind of player he is, uh, guys will follow him. He, he's, he's a guy that plays with a lot of passion. And, and I think if he, he uses that in other ways, uh, people are all, only going to follow him and, and I think only going to bring, bring people closer together. So, uh, I, I'm with you again, covering, covering multiple leagues for quite a while. Hadn't really ever seen anything quite like that. Um, it, it was, it was, an, it was a cool thing to be a part of. That's going to do it for us today. A big thanks to our producer, Cameron Molina, and to all of you who listened. Remember, if you want to have access to all our written content at The Athletic, which today includes Kendra's analytical breakdown of the Nuggets with Seth Partnow, our analytics guru, as as well as my look back at the colorful history of the D-League Colorado 14ers, you need to be a subscriber. So go to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline to get a great low rate on a subscription. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so that new episodes show up automatically in your feed. And please feel free to hit us with that five-star review. You can also leave comments on each individual episode in the Athletic app. Stay safe, take care of each other, and until next time, thanks for stopping by. 